Now it's time for our Slate Plus bonus segment. And this is becoming a bit of a tradition on Hang Up and Listen. We're going to talk about the corniness or maybe the alleged corniness of Steph Curry's shoes. We had John Swansburg on a couple of weeks ago to talk about the Curry 2 and his perception that it was a popular you know, shoe. People were buying it, but that um, it didn't really have any street cred. And then uh, people on Twitter kind of came around to John's opinion, Stefan, uh, over the weekend. There were a lot of tweets about the new Curry 2, the the very white-looking, orthopedic-shoe-looking Curry 2. I've got a couple of these up on my screen. Not sure Nazi Muhammad is even old enough to think Steph Curry's new shoes are cool. Steph Curry's shoes look like he's getting ready to grill up some hot dogs while listen, listening to the ball game on the radio. The yes officer right here. I saw everything. Sevens. Any more that you wanted to mention, Stefan? I work at the Cheesecake Factory 8s. That's pretty good. The bathtubs in that Cialis ad, that was by Bethlehem Scholes, basketball writer. The Beat the Traffic 8s is pretty good. The Arcade Manager 13s. (laughs) The Fox Sports 1s. That's good. (laughs) All right. So who cares what we think? We've got an actual bona fide sneaker expert on the line, Bobito Garcia. He's a DJ. He's a sneakerhead. He's the author of the seminal book on sneakerhead culture, Where'd You Get Those?, He's joining us by phone, and his two-year-old is there as well. Babito, how's it going? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Good, and you've got we got your two-year-old son there, who's also going to share his opinion during the segment. <laughs> <laughs> so our sense is that you don't share uh, these opinions about uh, about the Currys. No, not at all. Um, in fact, complete contrast. I love the Curry twos. I don't own a pair, but I would like to. When they first dropped, uh, I was impressed with the design. Um, I've heard that they're, they're really good to play ball in, which is always a, a, a key factor in, in anything that I would consider wearing. But I, I was laughing, quite honestly, at John's article when the title was calling them corny because for me it's like it's kind of out of touch. And all the tweets are hilarious too, but it's again, it's like, I mean, of course, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and in the sneaker world there's, there's many. But we are living in a in a world that, you know, it's very brand loyal, and Nike is supremely, as well as Jordan, supremely dominant. And so a lot of people may not be quick to be open to new brands, new models, uh, et cetera. And that's the climate that, that we've been in since Michael Jordan stepped in with a signature shoe. Uh, you know, I, I wrote the first article in Media History on sneaker culture. I wrote the, the most prominent book on sneaker culture and I can tell you, like, when the Nike Blazer came out in 1977, you know, people thought it was corny, too, except for those sort of forward-thinking. Because at the time, the dominant brands were uh, Puma, Procads, and Converse. Adidas was cool and, and somewhat, but still growing. Pony had just came on the scene, and Nike came on, and, you know, my brother had a pair. He was the first person in, in, in our neighborhood in the upwest side of Manhattan to wear them and, and Kids made fun of them. They were like, oh, you know, where'd you get those moon boots? You know, meanwhile, Nike, some years later, uh, turned the industry upside down. And now the Nike Blazers in particular are, is a revered shoe as a, as a throwback, as a, as a comeback, as a retro. I'm not equating the Curry 2 to the Nike Blazer in, in its eventual or potential prominence. But what I am saying is that people will neglect or be close-minded to a new model and just be so caught up in marketing and, and, and what's, you know, what's hip and everything else. 
I mean, if you look at the design of the Curry 2 and the white, I'm talking about the white upper as well. It's beautiful. And I've seen kids in Harlem. I live in Harlem. You know, there are kids up here in Harlem, which has always been a fashion forward and influential community the world over, you know, from Fifth Avenue to, to Madison Avenue to, to runways for fashion shows. And kids in Harlem are wearing the Curry 2s to chill, to play ball in, but also to chill too. And I'm not saying like, I see hundreds of kids out there with them, but I do see kids out there with them. So to me, that's a marker. How much, Babito, do you think this has to do with Curry himself, Curry the personality? You know, people thinking that his shoes are corny may be related to people thinking that Curry is, is corny as a person. I, I, I don't know him personally, and, and I, don't, I don't follow his personal life. That's, you know, that's his business. So, um, you know, on the court, though, he is a renegade, and he is also singular in basketball history. And that, I mean, I've, I'm born in the 60s, so I've seen a lot of basketball, both professionally and playground. And I've heard a lot of legends, you know, stories of legends and folklore. I mean, he is singular in that there has never been a player in any level, high school, college, pro, playground, overseas, with the combination of his handle and long-range shooting. So you can pit him already in, in, in the pantheon of greatest all-time shooters. None of them, none of them, none of them had the handle that he had. If you pit him against the greatest ball handlers of all time, none of them, none of them have had the long-range shooting that he has. So he has, he has combined an ability and a quality that that's unmatched. And for that alone, it makes the sneakers cool. It is true that, you know, some shoes, some pieces of art or things that we're supposed to all have an opinion on follow that fake Gandhi quote, which is, you know, first they laugh at you, then they ignore you, then they fight you, then you win. Mm -hmm. But although sometimes all they do is laugh at you. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question is, you know, if you were to interview the person who designed these shoes, do you think they would say, here was our vision? Here's what we were trying to do. We were zigging where everyone else was zagging. We had this bold, new, fresh take. Or do you think that they were saying something along the lines of, yeah, we were just trying to make a shoe that was a little different. It wasn't quite as avant-garde as we're making it out to be. I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't read what Under Armour foresaw what their vision was i can't i can't speak for the brand or the designer um i can tell you that the shoe is just visually i don't know that it's breaking new ground like the way the nike air force one did you know having no shoe prior had ever had air in the midsole but i can just tell you from a functional and a, a sleek connoisseur view it's a beautiful shoe it's a beautiful shoe you know, maybe some of the, the colors that they've released, you know, for the limited edition may not jive with everybody. That's beside the point. Just the form of the shoe is it's gorgeous. Like, I saw people wearing that shoe, and I was like, damn, I want a pair of those. I haven't said that about a lot of shoes in the last 10 years. So I think uh, they're on the right track. But it's funny. I read John's article, and they were like already like Stefan was – was apologizing like, yeah, you know, next shoe I want to design it more lifestyle so that people can wear it. Like, nah, like just make the shoe that you're going to make. Shoes don't easily transition to lifestyle. You know, every brand would love for their shoe to, to do so. 
But that takes time. That takes time. I mean, if you look at the three most iconic basketball models in history, right, the Chuck Taylor was a functional performance basketball singer for decades, from the 1920s until the 1950s when it started being worn casually. The Adidas superstar, otherwise known as the shell toe, was a groundbreaker in that it was the first low-cut uh, leather shoe. And, you know, the basketball players took to it for performance because everybody was wearing canvas back then in the 60s and, and early 70s. And so it was like, what the, what the you know, WTF when it came out? And, and because basketball players took to it, eventually it transitioned into lifestyle and all the hip-hop heads started wearing it. And, of course, when Run DMC started wearing it, it became a global phenomena. And then the Air Force One. The Air Force One didn't even have a TV ad when it came out. And yet, it's the biggest-selling shoe in Nike's history. And so, you know, millions and millions of this shoe for years with no marketing. Because when it came out, it was groundbreaking. And there's kids out there right now who are eight or nine years old that love Curry, probably can't afford a sneaker. And when they become teenagers and in their early 20s, they're going to look back if Under Armour keeps them as retros. They'll go back to that shoe 10 years from now and want it. I think they look pretty good on Steph's feed. He posted a picture of himself wearing them. The problem I found was with his jeans. Take a look at the bottom of Steph's <laughs> jeans. That's the scandal. Right, yeah, we, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't follow Curry off the court at all. So. We, got, we got to get our jeans expert on the line, Bobito, but uh, we appreciate <laughs> you. His jeans as bad as Michael Jordan's mom's jeans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bobito Garcia is the author of Where'd You Get Those? 10th Anniversary Edition. Find it in the bookstores. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No doubt. Peace, fellas.